Hey guys, welcome to the Paddler's Playbook. Welcome ladies and gentlemen of podcast land. Thermal convection, man. These dudes almost killed me. You know, redfish are really dumb. How do you take your marsh dump? This fool used all my toilet paper. Bro, Well now that Drew's done dragging this on. TPP15. You gonna get a dozen shrimp? Hey, you throwing that cast net again this weekend? Oh good lord. I almost died. I do not want to paddle that far. Once again, he almost died. I'm not waking up at butt crack dawn. I'll see you at the launch around noon. I love wake baits. Haven't you ever heard them chatter? Let me double back here first. And now, a word from Saltside Jet. Oh, yeah. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the paddle. Check out our Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Podcast Land. I'm your host, Drew Turner. I am here with my co-host, Chris Lewis. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Podcast Land. <laughs> my co-host, Chris Lewis. Are we going to do that every episode now? I kind of no, like it. No. <laughs> well, if you're if you're going to do it, though, you have to say live from the Mariner Sales Studio. Hey, you know you know what uh, I, I watched today? I woke up this morning and I had this like crazy freaking thought in my head and it was max headroom and i so i started watching old that max is headroom. the most random <laughs> thought most ever random from ever. anyone so <laughs> i started watching old uh max headroom videos from the 80s and i was like you know what i remember this being a lot better back then <laughs> <laughs> it was uh it was quite funny you know what why that happened I think it was because uh, Nick um, Besnick tagged me in something. It was like an hour's worth of your favorite 80s commercials. And I shit you not, I watched all 60 minutes of these 1980s commercials, man. It was great. It was fantastic. What did it make you want to buy? Did you did you decide I need to go? I wish I could have this back. (laughs) So many. I really want some bugle boy pants. Like I was like I was like man, shredded wheats. Like I haven't had shredded wheats in forever. (laughs) Oh look, you know, uh, live cereal. Mikey likes it. You know, I was like yes. The the cereal commercials really caught my my. Dude, I stopped eating cereal like forever ago and. Honestly, just recently, I was like, you know, I saw some cereal, <laughs> and I'm so I've had cereal in my my house like for the first time in like uh, a decade or more. And, and speaking of your house, you're broadcasting from your yep. house. Yeah, this time. I know everybody so, listening is following along with one. They're following along with the Going Green vlog. They're following along with the Pure Energy on YouTube. Because we know this, because we're we're getting comments even from folks in Canada. They're like the Canucks and the Canadians are with you. So right shout on, out, man. shout out to Canada. But you you're in a you're in a house now. Yeah, you're not so in the we're, RV. We're like ninety five percent done. Um, we just have like trim to to get done. I mean, we're cooking dinners inside the house now. Um, we're right now. I'm trying to fix all the mistakes that builders made. Um, and that's, that's like, it's more common than it should be. What I'm finding out is that these people that you hire to build things should not be screwing things up as much as they do. But 
Uh, it's a common thing and we're dealing with it. But yeah, man, in the house, um, still working kinks out, but loving it. Now, are, are you making sure that the house is done? Did you, did you plan it to be done right now? Because we have tournament season coming up. Dude, dude, dude. I needed this to be done, like done, done way before any of this started. Michelle made me promise that um, it would be done before tournaments started. And I think I got it to a point to where, man, I can go ahead and get out there and rock the GRS, man. Oh, yeah. And speaking of GRS, Hunter, tell us a little bit about what's going on with GRS. All right, folks, it's Hunter Welch here with the Galveston Redfish Series. That's right. Kayaks are back, baby, in the Galveston Redfish Series. You get to compete against the boats and other kayaks in our hourly tournament. But if you want to compete in our series, kayaks get to compete against each other in their own kayak series for their own prizes and their own big fish pot. Kayak, this is where you get to be named Team of the Year in your own division. Five-stop series in the Galveston Redfish Series this year. Don't miss out. Sign up online at GalvestonRedfishSeries.com. Thanks, Chris. GRS, man. I know you're going to fish it with your brother. Um, I'm going to be there. I won't be at the first one, though. I'm sorry. I won't be at the first. We're going to WrestleMania. Is, so is I'm sorry. Val going to be your stand-in? No. Besnick is going to be our stand-in. Besnick's going to be your stand-in. All right. Yeah. So you've got him listed as your alternate. Yes, I do. Um, I haven't even I haven't even squared everything away yet on my end, um, but I need to. Uh, I need to get, get uh, registered. I'm having some mental blocks as far as getting things going, um, and part of it's like I feel like I'm not ready yet. Now, do you feel like you're not ready yet just because you haven't fished enough or all of the you know, above? You man. need to get your gear going or just the everything? The answer is D. <laughs> the the answer is all of it. Once yeah. the house gets done and you can quit nitpicking the door frames, then it's going to be ready to get your new Plano boxes ready, I, right? I tell you what, man. Um, oh, dude, I can't wait to get some of those boxes. Can I borrow some money so I can buy some? The edge line is just looking so freaking juicy. I, I want it bad. Um, so, oh, and not only that, but they've got a new 3700 um, Z style bag. Yes, and they I don't, do. I don't know if you if you're familiar with those Z style bags, but they got rid of the uh, crypto. Thank goodness that's like dying off though. Like the the crypto camo. Like I was waiting for that to disappear from everyone's line of stuff, and it finally is. Anyway, that's just a nit of mine. Um, but you know what, Drew? I mean, I didn't fish much before cats last year, and you know, still, you know, pulled a great, you know, season off of that. And um, if you're a fisherman, you're a fisherman, dude. You know, you get out there, and number one with tournaments is you've got to you've got to know that there is no quit. Okay. You gotta grind. You gotta throw yeah. until you cannot throw anymore. No, I found you, that out in that tournament that I fished recently. Here's the, here's the thing. All right, there's a couple things you need to accept, guys. If you're going to get into tournament fishing, you need to accept this. Number one, you might get a ticket driving. Okay, mm -hmm. because part of your plan has to be how long it takes for me to get my ass from where I launched to where I need to weigh in, and what time can I make it if I drive the speed limit? 
and what time can I make it <laughs> if, if I don't? If if I'm yeah over the speed limit, you know, twenty miles over, and and then you have to time, you know, after you figure that out, then you have to figure out what time you actually need to make it back to the launch and be off of the water. So everything before that is grind. That's because, true. Because you have to know this is my absolute cutoff time. Because it's not – when you're out there tournament fishing, it's you versus the fish. and Or the, you versus yourself sometimes. Too. You versus yourself. It's constantly – you're constantly trying to, to best the last fish that you caught. And you're constantly trying to – you know, beat your last cast. So um, during that time frame, you know, some people get out there and they, you know, they get lucky, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get lucky on your first few fish of the day, man, relax, kick back, you know, um, have have your lunch somewhere nice and, and don't worry about it. But if you're out there and you've got to put the grind in all day, um just know that you've got to be prepared for that mm-hmm. and you got to be prepared to lose too sure man you got to be prepared to lose i think you know, katie katie baca said it in the old town little um they did a little old town clip for all the old town anglers before the classic and she said that tournament fishing is like the most losingest sport and it sounds like something i would yeah. say it sounds like something i would say it's the most losingest activity that you will participate in ever because there may be 100 anglers only one is going to win there's no other odds like that there's 32 nfl teams you know there, there's no other odds for one out of 100 people are the only ones that are going to win that competition. So True. It's 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 very losing. You have to prepare yourself for that and prepare yourself for the grind. Indeed, man. So I I I've got the grind, you know, um I've got the spots, although we don't like to call them spots. Um it's just I got to get my shit together, dude. <laughs> I've got to get it together, and I've got to get out there and make it happen. So you gotta you gotta be in the right mental mental mind frame for that. The, the mental mind frame, mental mind frame, mental mental. It's, it's a du- it's double. You gotta be double ready, double double mental double mind. double like double double mint gum. You know what you know what I'm doing <laughs> to get myself ready for tournament season. What are you doing? I'm going on a Devil's River trip, and I'm gonna relax and have my whole you are guys woosah moment i can't no wait for him to come back i can't wait for him to come back and and he's gonna be like he hasn't okay first off you guys know drew doesn't paddle okay yeah he has the ultimate and the ultimate's been his primary kayak that he's had for years but even with the ultimate he'd get out 20 you know 30 yards and then just fish right there you know, he wouldn't do miles upon miles. He got up to go take a crap, I think. I don't know where he went. So he's going to, all this is, he has no choice but to leave all of this in that we talk about right now. So he's he's going to get on that river. And I've already looked at the weather and I've told him, man, the temperatures, actually, you're going to, you're going to like the temperatures because he's a big guy. At night, it's going to be cool. You know, he's going to have temperatures like in the upper 40s. Um and it might even get cooler than that. So he'll get to cuddle up and, you know, bundle with, with all his gear and, um, and stay warm. 
And during the day, it's going to reach the 80s. Now, is he going to get up in the morning and be greeted by 80-degree weather first thing as soon as he starts to you know, get his kayak together and get on the water? Hell no. It's still going to be 40-something, 50-something. It's going to be cold in the mornings. But by noon, he should warm up pretty good. Um, the thing about the desert is, guys, sand does not hold heat. You hear that, Drew? Did I miss anything? Sand does not hold heat. That's the one thing about the desert is that sand does not hold heat. Concrete I'll be, does. But I'll that, be okay. You'll be okay, but I was just saying that, you know, it's temperatures going to be in the 40s, you know, high 40s. And in the morning, whenever you want to get up on that water, just make sure you bring some waders, dude. Because it's it's not gonna be it's not gonna be warm. Listen, it's still gonna be fifty degrees. You you said morning. We, oh, we have we yeah. we only have to go ten, ten miles in three days. So if we if we want to stay well, was, in and sleep in, <laughs> we're actually we're actually no, talking about paddling upriver. We're actually talking about like on day two paddling back upriver so we can get more fishing in. And uh, coming back down river, so we'll see. We'll see how it all goes. I'm so excited. Going up river, you might want to save that for the day that you're going to be facing the most southern wind, because you are going to be faced with the day that um, I think I saw like 20 mile an hour winds. And on a river like that, there's nowhere to hide from mm-hmm. from the uh, from the wind. Um, it's going to be funneled straight into your face, yeah. and it's not easy. I'm actually taking a pedal drive too. Are you? Yep. I don't want. Well, I don't want to talk about which one though. <laughs> well, you guys bust, will see it in the pictures. You guys will bust, see it in the pictures. Don't bust that shit up, man. All right, we'll see. I got a good deal on it. We'll see. <laughs> I'm gonna enjoy. I'm gonna enjoy this trip a whole lot. But you know what else I'm gonna enjoy, Chris? I, dude, I'm pretty sure you're gonna enjoy what Jessica's about to tell us. Absolutely. All the new stuff from Plano. The new, new. Freybill. Real Sportswear. And who else? Who who else is she going to talk about? Mm-hmm. Um, Mariner Sales, fool. I was I was giving you a layup. Oh, you're, you're, hey, look, man. I'm rubbing my eyes. Layup. That's because I'm sleepy. Kobe. <laughs> I see. All right, Jessica, tell it. Tell us what we got going on over at Mariner Sales. Hey, bro staff. Let's talk favorites. We all have them. Our favorite underwear, favorite food, favorite kid. And today we want to share our favorites with you. It was hard to narrow down all the amazing things that Mariner Sales has to offer to just a handful. So, well, we did it. Now MarinerSales.com has a whole section just for you from us. Just log on to MarinerSales.com and find the Promotions tab and select Bro Staff Favorites from the drop-down box and let us do the hard work for you. And by hard work, we mean testing out amazing gear just for you, courtesy of Mariner Sales. You're welcome. And on checkout, don't forget to add that BroStaff promo code for your BroStaff discount. While we're being all warm and welcoming over here, Pure Fishing is welcoming some new faces of their own. Now, for your shopping pleasure, Plano and Freybill have joined in the fun. So if you're in the market for some amazing high-quality tackle boxes or a replacement for that ratty old lucky net, 
We know you've been eyeballing that sweet new fray bill. Head on over to purefishing.com and say hello. While we're talking favorites, let's help you find a new favorite over at realsportswear.com. I'm loving the look of the retro redfish in light gray, but because I'm greedy, I have to say I've been eyeing that new fish brain tea. I can't pick, so why don't you head on over to realsportswear.com and find your new favorite today. That's all for me, bro staff. This is your favorite bro staffer, and I'll see you on the salt side. All right, Jessica, you guys heard it here first on the Paddler's Playbook. Plano and Frable are now a part of the Pure Fishing Umbrella. I'm really excited about that because, honestly, they've got some new um, – remember how, how I used to always talk about those cases that I love to get that have the Z-Rust? Well, now mm-hmm. Plano has their own technology. Um, I, I can't remember what it's called, but it's it's actually it's, it's rest something because they have it in their gun cases too. They have a new line of, of gun cases. I didn't know Plano had coolers. Did you know Plano had roto molded coolers? Say that again. Roto molded coolers. Roto molded. Roto molded. Yeah, they've actually got a line of, of really fantastic equipment and those new uh, edge cases. I just can't wait to get my hands on them, man, because. Being able to transfer product back and forth between kayak and skiff is going to be a hundred times easier now with with those things. So, and another I'm shameless plug: uh, those are going to fit very nicely in the new black black pack pros Dude, that we're going to get. What do you have for dinner, man? You can't talk straight or what? Steak, man. I had steak. <laughs> steak, so this done slowed you down. I just can't. Hey, you can't say black pack pro three times fast. Go ahead. Let's black pack pro. Black pack pro. Black pack pro. Damn. <laughs> Oh, hey, you guys heard a little laugh back there, a little chatter. Hey, we've got a really awesome guest um, because I know we're nearing up on on springtime. And this is a topic that we've never discussed on the show, but we've always wanted to. Guys, this fella here runs a a fishing charter company, a kayak fishing charter company out of Perdido Key, Florida. And if you're not familiar with the Gulf Coast and where Perdido Key, Florida is, it's just right outside of like orange beach alabama it's just like right there okay i grew up in that area um fishing and sailing and boating and and it's a fan freaking tastic part of the florida panhandle i love it out there um i believe it's called emerald waters kayak charters am i right all right man i'm going off a memory here and this guy here not only does he have his charter business but over the last couple years he has become like the Emerald Coast Notorious Tarpon Wrangler. I mean, some of these videos this dude's putting out there, he's like, oh, I just got off work. I'm just going to go out there and slay a couple tarpon right quick. And it's, it's like, it it's, looks so easy. It's like pissing in a can. It just happens for you, man. <laughs> I wish it was that easy. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, man, the, the videos that you put out there, Watching you do this, it looks effortless. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Brandon Barton of Perdido Key, Florida, to the show. Appreciate it, guys. Appreciate you having me on here. Oh, show, man. Oh, show. Well, well he, I know he, Drew's he, got a ton of questions, but one's brewing in his head right now. I see it's about to explode. Well, no, I wasn't going to ask a question. I was just going to say, like, he talks about the tarpon and everything, but one of these days we're going to have to have you come on and talk about the pumpkin patch. Cause I see a lot. I, lo- I see a lot of posts from the pumpkin patch now. Yeah. That's another special thing going on here that not many areas have. And it's, it's very special. 
and the pumpkin awesome. patch is is just some huge, nice, beautiful redfish. Just beautiful orange, look like pumpkins pulling them out of the pumpkin patch. Here's something that's crazy though, Drew. You have never fished over there, have you? I have fished one time out of Navarre with Rex. Uh, that was it. One time. That was that was it. We caught two kings that day. That was so y'all it. went y'all went surf fishing. Yeah, out of Navarre. I think everybody catches fish there though. That's kind of like cheating. It yeah, was. I played. That place is really good uh, for offshore. It was. So, how far are you from Navarre, Brandon? Probably about forty-five minutes. Forty-five minutes. Yeah. And you know what? Getting around Florida is a little bit easier in in a lot of the parts, except for like whenever you get to like Fort Walton Beach, it'll take you an hour to go ten miles. Um, oh yeah. Like Fort Walton, and then anywhere near Orlando, forget about it. You're not getting anywhere. The only thing I didn't like about that area was the Mexican food was horrible and there were no <laughs> breakfast tacos. That's it. That's the only that's the only All gripe right, I have so, about that area. Yo yo bro staff, this is the director of Badassness for Paddler's Playbook. Snick, better known as the Marsh Ninja on Instagram and Nick Fly Fishing coming to you live. I'm here to tell you guys that you can find Paddler's Playbook on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. Head over there right now, follow and subscribe. Paddler's Playbook has a new series on YouTube called Yak Hacks and Going Green. Videos where host Drew and Chris give you the best tips and tricks on fishing and kayak gear. The Yak Hacks series are technical and practical look at new gear and accessories through the eyes of host spaceman Chris Lewis. Also follow along as host Drew Turner is the tournament trails across Texas trying to figure out the green bass fish. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Oh, one more thing. Do you want to be featured on Paddler's Playbook Instagram page? If the answer is yes, then tag Paddler's Playbook and hashtag BroStaff to be featured. Most importantly, tell your fishy kayaking buddies about us. They'll thank you later. Stay fresh, BroStaff. We're, well, we're about to get into some like fishing stuff with Brandon, but you know what? Here's a question for you, Brandon. What 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 is if you're going to get up early in the morning and go fishing? You, you know, you, know, you got to get to the launch. You want to get to lunch before the sun comes up. What do you stop and grab for a bite to eat? You, do you go to a um, local taco shop yeah. and grab some tacos? Or honestly, man, I don't even uh, I don't even get no food in the morning. I just I just hit the hit the hit the water and go straight from the house. I, I I don't eat big breakfast, but uh, you know I'm just so rushing around in the morning because I'm not a morning person. So I usually just just hit the water straight from the house. Coffee, Monster, anything? I I used to drink Monsters a lot, but I actually cut them out since uh, that was my New Year's resolution to cut out sodas and Monsters. I cut them out, so I'm kind of working on coffee. But you got to be careful with coffee because you know a couple hours later you get them. There's a storm. There's a storm. So how did you how did you cut the energy drinks? Because that's that's my bugaboo. I don't I don't really drink sodas or you know drink beer or anything. But the energy drinks, I am addicted. Yeah, man, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I just wanted to try to lose a little bit of weight. And I know I drink a little, a lot of sodas. And I mean, I was drinking one or two monsters a day and just kind of got it in my head. Same thing when I used to smoke cigarettes, you know, 10 years ago is just got it in my head. That I wanted to quit and I quit cold turkey and I did the same thing with sodas and monsters. I haven't had a, a sip since uh, first of the year. So, Whew. I can't do it without the caffeine. 
That's well. The first of the year wasn't too long thing. ago. There's still some time to fall off the wagon. That's all right. I, I'm not oh, going way, to that. Way to be supportive, Chris. <laughs> you guys, I'm not yeah. going to have Chris as my my helper, my life coach, my check in person if I'm trying to quit something. Yeah, Jesus yeah, Christ! Yeah. I'll be like, it's all right, dude. No, <laughs> I did start coffee, so I, I you know I picked up coffee. I usually don't drink coffee. I usually was always drinking monsters, but I started drinking coffee since I cut them out. Got to have something. I yeah. can't live without a couple, two to three cups of coffee in the morning. And I usually have one in the afternoon at some point. Coffee is is a must around here, but that's that coon ass in me. I don't think we can we can live with. I, I think we're born with it in our bottles, is what happens. They threw some coffee in there to to. Sh- well, well it wouldn't be to make. To and work, well, it? they have to have something to counteract like the whiskey that they're putting in your bottles to calm <laughs> you down. They're like, this baby's too mellow. Put a little <laughs> coffee. Put a little coffee in there. Well, Brandon, I got a question for you, man. Uh, we ask this to everybody that comes on the show. I want to know what your most memorable fishing memory is. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a hard one. I've had so many awesome days on the water it's all been within the past five or five years or so mostly maybe a little bit longer just when i've got into kayak fishing a lot uh you know maybe my first tarpon is one of probably the coolest experiences that i ever had finally getting my hands on one because i spent a lot of time over the years targeting tarpon uh and and they're just one of them fish i always tell people you only land about one out of ten you hook so uh grinding after them and figuring them out and finally getting my hands on on one was probably one of the coolest experiences, but I've had some pretty cool experiences fishing down in Louisiana. Uh, I can remember one IFA tournament. We were fishing Grand Isle and we rolled up into the pass and there was like 10 or 15 kayakers and there were so many bull reds lit up on the fish finder. The, I mean, we're in like 50 feet of water and the whole screen is just blacked out red full of big, like 40, 45 inch schools of bull reds. And I mean, it didn't matter what you dropped down there. You were hooking up. I even dropped a granola bar down on a jig head and hooked one. So, you know, (laughs) stuff like that. I mean, it was literally like 15 kayakers all hooked up on bull reds, just getting towed around and the camera boats sitting there filming everything. It was just pretty awesome. So there's a lot. I I, I can't really pinpoint one, but you know, my first tarpon really high up there. How many trips did it take you specifically targeting tarpon before you got your first hookup land take a picture, all that good stuff. Probably 20 plus. I mean, you know, I've, I've had, ex- yeah, I've had experiences where I kind of hooked them by accident. Uh, and, and then started, I started doing a lot of research and that's just kind of how, when I got into kayak fishing or into fishing in general, my, I, you know, I kind of, I'm from North Carolina and I moved here like 15 years ago. And when I started fishing, I didn't really know a lot besides, you know, a little bit of bass fishing growing up with my grandpa. But my first step was I bought every magazine, every one I ever saw fish saltwater magazine and then started, you know, there wasn't a lot on YouTube, but I still started to Google and YouTube. So I just, I just did a lot of research to try to figure this stuff out. The same thing that happened when I hooked a couple of tarpon and I realized how big and powerful they were, you know, I started doing some research and figuring out some stuff and then trying them techniques. And then it took a while, especially to get, cause their mouth is just so bony and hard. You know, as soon as they hook, as soon as you hook up and they bite it and they jump, if you don't get that hook buried in, they're throwing it. So that that's why they're so hard to catch. So there was a lot of techniques and a lot of different gear and a lot of, you know, Pacific gear that I had to use so I could figure that out to keep a hook in them. Um, and it, it took a while, but 20, 20 or so trips probably before I got one in my hands. Damn. They're like Houdini on the hook, man. They're just, they're magic. You know, they can come on, come, get on and, and come off just as fast as they get on there. 
But yes. with with Brandon on the show, we hope to at least cut our listeners' learning curve maybe in half. Yes, sir. With, with helping us out with some gear and tactics and you know different setups for for these tarpons. So tar, you know, Drew, you always ask about the most memorable. But what about like your first fishing memory? I'm curious if it's sort of similar to you know what some of our other. Uh, Yes, I've had on this, I mean, especially I since you background in bass, bass fishing. Yeah, so I mean, my first fisher memories is just fishing with my grandfather in North Carolina. There it is. You know, <laughs> a worm, a worm, a worm on a bobber. You know how that is. So, uh, I, I grew up hanging out his at his house on the weekends, and and he had a pond pretty not far behind his house, and that's what, that's all we would do on the weekends. So that's kind of where I got into it. And uh, my mom also had a pond on her property that had some bass in it and bream, and we, we did some of that growing up. But it, it wasn't, like, super addicted to it like I am now, so it's definitely changed. Shit, I swear there were times when my parents were like, can you pl- somebody please go get Chris off of that pond and bring him <laughs> inside? And I just, I mean, from the time the sun came up until it went down, yeah, I'd be sitting out there on Grandpa's pond, so... Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that with us. Now, I know the next one's coming up. Go ahead, Drew. Uh, no, I'll let you ask it. Go ahead. You don't ever get to ask these questions. I'll let you ask it. Go, <laughs> go ahead. We're, we're there was switching time, it up for season three. There was one time uh, Brandon Dylan, uh, uh, Drew was like, hey, I'm going to let you ask these questions this time. And we got started, and then he was like, so about your most memorable fishing memory. I'm like, oh, damn, I didn't even get to get, in, get started here. Um, so you got into kayak fishing. Did you get into kayak fishing whenever you moved down to Florida? Was it like 15 years ago? You're down here. You see people doing all this wild shit on the, on, on the salt and you're like, man, I'm going to get into kayak fishing. Or was this something that you had already been doing whenever you were in North Carolina? Yeah. So I'll kind of break it down exactly how it happened. I moved here, uh, about 15 years ago. I lived on a canal and so I did some backyard fishing, you know, just sitting on the dock. We had a little John boat. We would, we would go down the canal and catch, you know, some redfish. There was, like, some big sail cats and gar and stuff. And so I started getting into it that way. And then uh, we actually moved to a condo on the Sound not long after that. And uh, I literally could walk out the condo, and I was just wade fishing, you know, the, the grass flats for trout and, re- trout and reds. And there was always that school of fish getting blown up on just, just outside of your casting range. So I always had that happening. And then. I started, there was a big fishing forum, a Pensacola fishing forum was pr- pretty big back then. And I would go on there and look at stuff. And then I see all this talk about cobia because cobia is really, really big in this area. So, you know, I was like, wow, I want to catch one of these giant cobia. So I went and had like a custom cobia rod built. Uh, and, and I went to the pier one day to try to catch a cobia. And it was so packed because, you know, the cobia are, are swimming east, east to west. So everybody's on the east side of the pier waiting for them to swim by. And I, you know, I try to get on the rail and it was just so packed, I couldn't even get on the rail. There was no place for me to even stand. So I was like, well, this is kind of bull crap, you know? So I went online and started doing some more research, and I saw a kayak section on the fishing forum, and there was a couple of guys on there who actually had Hobies and were catching tarpon, sailfish, you know, snapper, big bull reds, and, and I saw that. And, and, man, as soon as I saw that, it just drew my attention. And so I figured out a way to get into some kayak fishing, just what I had. I, I had a cheap like sitting coleman kayak so i did that and, and pedaled that ar- or paddled that around over here near the docks by the condo and stuff and and then uh what really got me into like the hobies is my buddy had a, a tandem like ocean kayak i think it was like an ocean cabo or something like that and, and me and my brother-in-law was fishing one night 
and uh, we had an anchor down and we had all these like custom rods that we had bought and we were fishing, catching a fish and we went to pull the anchor up and the anchor actually got stuck. And so he was leaning the opposite way of the anchor trying to counterbalance it. And I was pulling on the anchor while I couldn't get it. So I let off real quick. And since he was leaning, this wasn't a very stable oh, kayak. Man. We flipped at night in like 20 feet of water, lost all our gear and all that stuff. And, you know, I was like, well, that really, really sucks. And my next thing was like, you know, I'm going to go buy me a kayak, but I'm going to buy one that's the most stable kayak there is. So I went and demoed. I went to the, the Hobie dealer, demoed a Hobie Pro Angler, and I went and dem demoed like a, a native Mariner. And as soon as I got in the Hobie, I was like, this is the one. And, and I pulled the trigger. You know, I used some tax money, pulled the trigger, and was and was that was the end of it right there. I mean, as soon as I got it, Matt, it just kind of changed my whole life. Yeah, and you're you're on the Hobie fishing team now, aren't you? Yep. That that's all. You you know, guys are old school after listening to his story when they talk about looking stuff up on the forums. On the like, forum, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's been they're in the game ten years. Whenever they say, you know, I was on such and such forum looking at stuff. Because, you know, Texas Kayak Fisherman was a big one. That Pensacola was a big one. I know there's a big one on the East Coast, and I, it's the name is escaping me right now. But there's a big one on the East Coast. I'm going to look it up in a minute. I still uh, get on those forums, even the Florida forums, because a lot of those guys are a little more liberal with their information. Um, yep. You get on there, and, and it's not like Facebook, where everybody seems to have an attitude at times. Um, you know, where, you know, the, the, I guess the saying's always like I caught it in the water, you know, that type of shit. But um when I fish um like Mexico Beach and and um St. Joe and uh all the way over to like Stan Hatchie, man, there are forums that you can reach out to and talk to those people and get just a ton of information about how to fish um those areas whenever and, and honestly when you get there. So the forums are still really powerful. I mean, they're still really great and people still operate them. Although I think did TKF die not too long ago, like a year ago, Ooh, somebody tried I, to take it offline or yeah, I think they were doing some maintenance on it and it went offline. But I think some um, slow ride uh, a group of slow ride picked it back up and they're they're getting it going again. Now, Brandon, you've you've had the opportunity to fish with a lot of different um, people that are that are well known in the kayaking industry, and I've seen. Um, Drew, did you ever see like for a while there? It was like, does this dude fish at any other time during during the day? Um, you were doing a lot of night fishing, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, this uh, the bull reds at Three Mile, and, and and there's a good like big trout bite that happens a lot at night out here too. So, uh, man, for a while I was I was grinding at especially the the tarpon at night too. We'll get tarpon at night, but. I was grinding at night, and then I'd get up and go to work at five o'clock in the morning. Uh, <laughs> That's when you I know mean, there you, was, you're bit, man. You've got it bad. <laughs> yeah, there was some some nights where I would look at like the peak feed, and there'd be like a, a one a.m. to three a.m. peak feed. So I would go home and sleep for like two hours, wake up at midnight, go tarpon fish for a couple hours, you know, one to three, and then get right off the water and drive straight to work. I mean, then them nights were rough. I tell you that. That I mean, then days after that was rough. I can remember so feeling. Feeling horrible, but it was how long, when you how long ago was that, and how old were you? That was just a couple years ago. That was last so week, man. I can't do it. I can't, I can't. I'll be screwed up for a month if I stay up past like one o'clock. I can't do it no more. 
Yeah, I'm getting there too, man. I'm I've backed off a lot on it. You know, I still do a couple like night trips and stuff. Uh, try to only do it on the weekends. It's hard for my job too. I've kind of changed my position at my job, so I don't have to be up at like six o'clock in the morning. So it helps out a little bit too if I do decide to do some trips like that. Nice. Well, one well, of the things that, that sparked my my memory about it, sorry, Drew, was You're you fine. were talking about you know you and your brother being in that that kayak at nighttime, and I remembered, oh yeah, he was fishing a lot at night and using those uh, El Chapos, man, the the little Berkeley El Chapos, the, the whopper plopper style, whopper yeah. ploppers, and uh, you were fishing with what Marty a lot? Yeah, me and yeah, me and Marty, man, I, I miss having that guy here, man. Marty he, uh, Mood. If you guys haven't, uh, you know, seen him on on the Book of Faces, you can look him up. I don't think he's posting much these days because his job has kept him really active. And I believe he's a military man, right? Navy or Air Force? Well, I think he's actually retired now, but uh, I think he flies commercially or, or, you know, he's he's still a pilot, but he's... He was uh, in Australia for all those wildfires and stuff for a while. Yeah, Yeah. Really cool dude, though. Some people say I'm an OG. That's the real OG. That, yeah, that he's, man's been he is one of the, he is one of the OGs, man. He's right up there with like, you know, Corey Ruth and um, you know Scott Knoll and Jim Sammons and some of these other guys that have been yep. doing it since. You know, they they were using surfboards to uh, to fish off of rather than you know kayaks. I'm pretty sure animals. Marty was like one of the first Hobie team members ever. So I mean, that just tells you how how long he's been doing it. So. That's a long time. Hobies have been around a long time, too. I don't think people realize how long the Mirage Drive and and just the Hobies in general have been around. Mirage Drive, it was a game changer back in like 2001, buddy. Mm -hmm. It's been a while. Been a minute. It's it's been around a while. Well, let's get into some technical talk now. Let's let's talk about these, you know, silverfish. Let's talk about the tarpons. Let's start with basic, basic, basic. You want to target tarpon. Let's just break it down to your area. What time of year is going to give you the best shot at hooking a tarpon? So springtime is when these fish start coming. They're migrating to the to the west. They're coming from South Florida and migrating to, like, the Mississippi River or down to Louisiana, um, down to Texas, you know. Uh, but that, that's going to be late June. Uh, early July. I always always say late June, early July is like prom time. I've had so many good days on July 4th, which is insane. Uh, and it gets pretty packed out there now that I made some videos of it. But uh, <laughs> it, it, it's definitely going to be you know somewhere mid-June to late June and, and early July is really when the fish start coming through in big pods. And they're, they're cruising down the beach. And when you see the big pods, I mean, if you do everything right, you can get them to bite. And is it like an unmistakable thing? Like once you see a pod, you know every time like that, that's a pod. Because I I hear guys talking about, you know, they see the flashes at the jetties and things like that. But I've never, I've never seen the flash or I I don't know that I've seen the flash. I may have seen the flash and not even known it. Is it like an indistinguishable look or does it take a little bit of time over time to say you know what that was the tarpon you didn't do no homework well, before this episode did you right <laughs> just so so the, the the main thing is is the weather if you got flat calm weather when they're coming down the beach you, you're i don't care who you are if you know anything about a tarpon you're gonna know no, because they're they have to 
gulp air. So they mm-hmm. roll just like a gar does. They, they roll, uh, you know, in the, up at the top of the surface. And it, that's why we try to go when it's nice and calm because you can see them rolling and that's how you can get out in front of them. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're pretty much unmistakable. I mean, you'll see multiple fish when there's big pods like that, you'll see multiple fish just rolling everywhere. Um, and, and you can kind of see, you know, their, their peck fins and stuff come out. Uh, and, and it's kind of, and they are very silver, uh, early light. I don't really think they shine as much. Cause I mean, we're out there when we go fish from off the beach, we're trying to hit like the first three hours after sunrise. So uh, unless the sun's up real good, they don't like sparkle and shine, but it's mostly you just see the fish roll. Now, Chris, you said I didn't do my homework. I've I've never I've never tried to target tarpon, so I don't know. I, I'm genuinely asking these no, that, questions I'm, I'm at, picking as you, man. a beginner. As a, I don't know that, nothing about tarpon. These are the questions you're supposed to be asking because the listeners have no idea. Some of exactly. them have no idea what you know what a roll actually looks like or what even, you know, a gar looks like whenever it's gulping air. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I'll, I'll kind of add on to what, what's being said here. Um, there was a time whenever um, Nathan Norton, and I, I use this name because, Drew, you're familiar with Nathan, mm-hmm. but Nate and I did like a 20-mile round trip on, on kayaks one day and we went out to these really, really far back, back lakes. And he was fishing one side of the lake, and I was fishing another, and it was probably um, well over a mile. Okay, I was going to say two miles, but I don't think it was quite two miles. But it was well over a mile. Um, and then we meet back up, and we're like, dude. First, I was like, dude, you'll never guess what I saw. And he's like, dude, you'll never guess what I saw. And I'm like, well, you tell me what you saw, because I'm pretty sure I saw some alien shit. And he's like, dude, <laughs> I swear I saw tarpon rolling. I was like, dude. That's exactly what I saw. And that's exactly what it looks like is if you've ever seen Gar, you know, coming up to gulp air, it's just like, you know, I just made that noise. But if you can imagine my hand also making that noise, that's what imagine his hand going. Yeah. (laughs) So it's just like, like they, you know, it's, it's a quick in and out, man, Um, you know, in the air and back into the water. And, um, but when they're doing this off of the beach, it's not just like one here or there. Right, Brandon? I mean, it just really depends on the days. I mean, some days you, you might see, you might not see none. That That's kind of the, the thing about tarpon, you know, that's why you got to put in a lot of time because some days you get out there and you might not see none or some days you might see one or two roll. And there's some days that you're going to see hundreds of them rolling in like all around you. And you're going to like, holy crap, man, how do I catch these fish? I mean, I've been out there and literally had 20 to 30 fish rolling 10 feet from my kayak and still trying to get them to bite. So uh, it just really depends on the days. But uh, in spring, you know, when they start coming through, if you get there and you spend enough time and you finally wait when the pods come through real good, you'll see, you know, you can see 50 to 200 fish rolling in pods. Now, what about these these guides that will take you out? I've seen people um, where they'll – in fact, there was a lady recently – I say recently, but um, she went out to Florida for like a two-day tarpon trip, right? And they were posting these videos, and there must have been 20 or more boats literally like gathered up with each other while these tarpon were just like – flying around everywhere 
I don't think right. that was necessarily in your area, but I think there are these areas that exist where tarpon are like just, yo, this is our turf. This is where we live. This is where we eat. And people know that, you know, they, yeah. they just constantly. There, there's a, yeah, there's a couple places like South Florida, like Boca Grande Pass. I mean, that's known for like they have the tarpon tournaments there and it's just a big pass. And I mean, they're everywhere. They bring 20, 30 boats all hooked up and. You know, the, the key, the keys, one of the key, I guess, a 10 mile bridge. I don't know a lot about down there, but I think that's a really popular spot. Not a lot of people fish for tarpon here. There's been a lot more starting to fish for tarpon ever since I posted some stuff and, and you know, started catching a lot. But there's there's some there's a few guides that do it, but uh, it's not very packed out here. I mean, there's the spot that I fish out. There's probably more kayakers out there doing it now than boats. So. And and you talked about the boats and hundreds of boats, but we're going to talk about just kayak-specific stuff. So we kind of, we don't have to gear up as much as kayak fishermen because sometimes you just use your boat as the drag. You know, as long as you have enough drag where it's not going to break your line and the fish can just pull you around. What type of gear are you using if someone was to go out and buy a rod and a reel just to go target tarpon, where would you steer them towards? So, um, you know, there's there's kind of two different styles of rods that I use. One is going to be like your live bait rod, and then the other one's going to be like throwing a big swim bait. So, I mean, that's really the two things that we use is, is free lining a, a live bait and then a big big swim bait, like a six, seven-inch swim bait. So I like to fish some kind of medium-heavy rod, uh, you know, seven around seven foot, but uh, – the real size is usually somewhere around five to six thousand size reel, uh, something that's pretty pretty solid with a good amount of drag. Because mm-hmm. the way I fish for them and the way I learned to be very very successful is the right gear. You know, heavy heavy decent rod. Uh, I use fifty to sixty five pound braid, sixty to eighty pound fluorocarbon leader, and then I lock my reels down. So that, like I told you before. Uh, their mouth, their whole jaw is really, really bony. So in order to get that hook buried in, you got to have a, a stiff rod. you got to have heavy braid, a heavy leader. So when you go to jack that fish up, you can really dig that hook in before he jumps. Because if you, if you don't and he jumps, he's going to throw it right out. So that was like the main thing that helped me figure out, helped me start landing fish was, was getting the right gear and using all that gear to its advantage, locking the drag down and all that stuff. So I mean, I, when I tell you I lock the drag down, I can't even pull the drag out with my hand. So uh, it's locked down pretty good. And that's why I'm able to fight these fish. You know, I don't think I've ever fought a tarpon for more than 15 minutes. So every tarpon that I've ever landed is under 15 minutes. And that's, and one, the fish has less time to wear through the leader. And two, the less time you have that fish on your line, you know, or the more time you have him on your line, the more likely he's going to break you off or shake the hook. So trying to get him in as fast as possible. And it's really important, too, that the main thing about tarpon is to kind of break their will. So when they're running one way, you're pulling their head the other. You know, and if they're trying to jump, you actually don't want them to jump because if they jump, they're more likely to break your line or throw the hook. So if you know they're coming up to jump or, you know, we talked about them gulping air, but it's actually not good for them to gulp air when you're fighting because it gives them more energy. So if you can stop them from gulping air, you can kind of whoop their butt quicker so. You know, if they're starting to come up, you kind of put your rod tip down and try to keep them from from uh, coming up and turning their head. So just fighting them super aggressively. That's where people mess up is when they hook up to a big tarpon, they're scared to death they're going to lose it. 
So they end up losing it because they don't try to stop this fish and, and it just kind of drags them around and wears through the leader or whatever. As soon as I hook up, I'm putting the heat to it immediately. And that's really what changed it and was getting me where I could able to land more fish and be more consistent with just putting the heat to these fish. Chris, did you know that? Like you need to horse them in? So for a couple of reasons, one, um, and the reason why I always thought you need to, you need to get them in quick is you, you don't want to wear them out to the point to where they can be revived, you know, or right. that, and, Big shark and comes the, by and just eats them in half as soon yeah, as you or something take like that. Out. Yeah, because I mean they're a protected species. Um, you know, you can still catch them and kill them here in Texas, but we don't want you to really. Um, but the the revival, the chance of revival is lessened the longer you fight the fish. Um, so, and that's that's why it's a lot of tarpon, like guys that are really big on tarpon, whenever they hear you talk about catching them on kayaks, they're like, oh, you're going to kill them. Well, they don't realize, you know, people that are really proficient and know what they're doing are not going to go out there to kill the fish. People like right. Brandon are going to go out there and they're going to do it right. Now, what about, um, what about the technique that I see and hear a lot of people that they like to call bowing to the king? Right. Yeah, so, uh, you know, when these fish jump, if you're not giving them slack and your line's tight, when they jump, they're going to land on your line. It's going to be tight, and it's, it's going to snap it. So when you're bowing to them, you're kind of releasing the tension off your line and uh, when, they're, when they're jumping. So you want to kind of release your tension so when they land on the line, they're not pulling it tight and snapping it. So, and, and another thing, too, I want to go back to real quick. When we talked about releasing these fish, these fish are tarpon are not hardy at all. I've seen multiple people catch them and fight them for 45 minutes and they don't try to re revive them, and they will sink straight to the bottom because they're just not hardy fish. So you have to put that heat on them and, and then spend the time, you know, dragging them along your kayak and reviving them, and they're not going to live. I mean, that's why, like, a lot of guys that catch them on the pier and stuff, most of them fish probably don't even live because they're sinking, you know, they're fighting them hard as crap and, and usually for a long time because they can't – like on a kayak, you can – like especially a pedal kayak, you can pedal up to the fish and get on top of it and put that angle on them and, and just fight them straight from the top. But on a pier, you got to let them run. And, and how do you revive a fish from the pier? You can't. So uh, I'm not hating on any of the guys that do it or not, you know, but I'm just saying they're not very hardy fish, and you do got to spend the time to revive them. I've seen many fish kind of sink to the bottom. Well, they've, they've walked the fish back to the, the the end of the pier, or not the the beginning of the pier, typically. You know, I see them do that so, down here with some guys just pop some, Yeah, some guys just pop them off. Yeah. But that's not necessarily good for them either, you know, just popping them off. You know, yeah, I, shook, I got the fish off my, my my line, you know, it's no longer my responsibility. Well, <laughs> kind of is. Well, for, from what you've seen, I, I wanted to ask this later on in the episode, but since we're already talking about it, you know, what are there any other tips you can give as far as handling a, a kingfish look at me I, that's all i've ever caught a tarpon whenever you get it in like do you have a, a like a internal timer in your head like all right I'm, I'm gonna try to get a picture you know give me a minute and a half to try to get this picture with this client or you know we, we got to get that thing back in the water quickly if, if, if you see it a certain way like do you have any just advice for for handling these fish if you do happen to land one and get it in yeah, I mean, one of the main things is, I mean, and it's the law here in Florida is you can't pull a fish out of the water that's over 40 inches. So, um, you know, you're only going to be able to get just their head out of the water kind of picture. So, uh, 
that kind of limits what we can do anyways, which is good. So we can spend, you know, less time trying to get that perfect picture in your lap or whatever, and you can get that fish released. So yeah, uh, I don't really have an internal timer, but I, I kind of, you know, I'm trying to get that picture within a minute or two and, and, and no matter what, I'm going to spend that extra time until that fish kicks off strong. So I'll, I've pedaled fish around for 20, 30 minutes. And that's what's cool about using the Torquedo now. You know, it, it helps me to just engage that cork Torquedo, hold that fish by its jaw. And they got a pretty rock-solid jaw. I mean, I'm telling you, that's one of the reasons why I love tarpon. They're just they're, they're old-looking, and they look robotic. I mean, they look crazy-looking. They're just, they're just amazing-looking fish, and their whole jaw is just rock-solid like it's a big piece of metal. So, you know, you can grab a hold of that pretty tight, and they'll let you know when they're ready. They'll kind of shake out of your hands and uh, – but it's it's a pretty pretty tough pretty cool feeling to see him swim away too, man. But that just worries me. Like I'm not a scaredy cat. Like I'm I'm not scared of a lot of things. But like a hammerhead. Like we don't have them type of sharks here. Like it would scare me towing around a large tarp and trying to revive him for a while. I would be scared to death that I'm knowing that bumped. that's like I, like the shark's second favorite meal. Yeah, I would be well, scared to death doing it. Have you had any right. type of experience like that with, with sharks and everything? No, not with tarpon. Uh, I, I know down south it's really bad. The hammerheads freaking eat tarpon all the time. But I've never had any any tarpon ever get eaten by a shark. I've never seen a shark when I was even tarpon fishing. So I've caught a lot of big sharks and, and had them next to my kayak, but just not while tarpon fishing. So I just don't think that we don't have that kind of issue. And we do have hammerheads too, but it's not like it is down there. I'm going to come fishing for tarpon where you're at then. I don't you know, want to have to worry about my hand being eaten as I'm reviving this fish. You know what I was thinking about? He was talking about the size of his reel. Um, and using like a 6,000 series reel, a lot of times whenever people use the terminology 6,000, they're thinking spinning reel and not necessarily right. conventional reel. So we're, you're not throwing like a round reel out there. You're throwing a spinning reel. And yeah, I'm 6, throwing 000, a spinning reel. 6,000 series spinning reel probably has, you know, you're saying locking down the drag. So I'm thinking, damn, how much drag does the 6,000 series reel have? And in my mind, it might have like 20 pounds. You know? Are you throwing yes. pins? What are you throwing? Yeah, pin, pins mostly. I know the slammer is pushing like 30 pounds of drag. Mm-hmm. So, uh, oh, yeah, 20, 30 pounds of drag. Yeah. Yeah. So, 20, 30 pounds. I mean, I'm That's not saying enough, you have dude. that. 30 you, pounds you can is a do lot. It. Yeah, you can do it on a 45. You just want, you know, you want to have that drag where you can lock it down. And then you want to have that line capacity too. Because, I mean, you hook a big fish like a, a 150. 200 pounder and uh it's gonna pull some line off uh you're in a kayak so you can chase some of that stuff down but you just want to find something that you're comfortable with especially if you're swim baiting that you you know not super heavy but it, that's pretty pretty solid too that's why i like to rock the, the slammers or the spin fishers they're they're pretty good reels and they're pretty solid so so that's what was going to come up next was the bait that's being used okay if i'm throwing a 6000 series uh reel i probably have a pretty damn stout rod paired mm-hmm. up with it probably a good like seven foot like i don't know man uh tiger stick or something like that paired up with right. it and you're not throwing a tiny lure at that point or else it's going it's not going anywhere man yeah, <laughs> you right. gotta throw yeah, so, a pretty substantial lure on the end yeah so the swim baits that we usually throw are like two or three ounce like six to eight inch swim baits and and most of the baits that you're using like live baits like hand size so um, 
I've caught them on cigar minnows, you know, that can be like five, six inches long. They're, they're thin. They're a little harder to cast, but I'm, I'm going to give you one of my secrets that uh, not a lot of people know. Some Pro people tarpon fish here. This is the, the candy bait in our area for tarpon is uh, what we call crazy fish. Uh, I don't know if you know what these are, but they're, I think they're called uh, Atlantic bumpers is their actual name, but it's a, uh, it's a yellow belly, real skinny, uh, a bait. And, uh, a lot of people are like, Oh, that bait, you know, the people who fish around here, are like, Oh, that bait's good for nothing. We don't even troll with it or nothing. But I'm telling you the time of year when the tarpon are coming through, these baits are schooled up off the beaches over here. And uh, you catch one of them on a sabiki rig and put it on a hook and throw it into a school of tarpon, and it's getting bit. It's the it's what I'm throwing every single time before anything else, and it so works. Are you, are you primarily using live bait when you're fishing tarpon? So off the beach, I'm using live bait mostly. If I'm fishing for them at night, like on on the bridges at night, I'm using swim baits only. Now, what about um, you know? I hear a lot of people talk about using coon pops. You ever I don't even know what that, that is. <laughs> no. uh, is okay. Well, I'm not going to explain it. I'm I scared. Really I'm scared to Google it. <laughs> it's it's uh, so. It's oh, I, I yeah, see coon pop Cajun lures. You can you can Google it and figure it out, I guess. But it's just a basically a soft plastic on a big ass hook. <laughs> but it's not even the soft plastic isn't even. Um, buried or the hook is not even buried into the soft plastic it's just like zip tied on it's a curly tail yep. grub zip tied onto a big yep. circle hook yep all gotcha. right yeah i mean it would work they just want some kind of bigger profile bait so and, now, and it, the thing about the thing about tarpon is they're they're a very reactive kind of kind of bite they can be kind of picky like i noticed this a lot when i was fishing for them at night on the bridge and if you didn't know when I'm most of the time when I'm fishing at night on our bridge, it's only sight fishing. We're, we're hiding in the shadows in our kayaks and we're watching fish swim down the shadow line that the lights on top of the bridge have. And so we're, that's why we're throwing like whopper plopper style lures. Cause we're seeing these fish cruising on the surface or just under the surface. So when we're throwing the swim baits at night on the tarpon, we're doing the same thing. They're kind of cruising down that shadow line. And what I learned is, uh, the tarpon don't like to chase stuff down. They're looking for that bait to come across their nose where they don't have to move to chase it. They just want to be able to open their mouth and engulf it. So in order to get them to bite like that at night, you would have to put a perfect 90-degree cast right when they're swimming by, and that bait would have to run right across their nose. You huh. did that it must almost be every related time they would to, bite. It must be related to rainbow trout. <laughs> <laughs> so the they were, thing they would chase do with rainbow trouts. Put it right in front of their freaking nose, or else they're not eating shit. Yeah, they wouldn't chase nothing. Um, they're just they're weird fish, man. They're very picky. Now on the uh, on the live bait that you're rigging up, you know, you talked about the Atlantic bumpers. What size hook and what kind of hook are you using? And I want to go back because you talked about using a 70, 80 pound fluoro leader it may have been 60 to 70 i don't remember but how long of a leader are you putting on there to make sure that you don't get broke off because like you're saying when they jump up they hit the line i mean i would think you need a pretty substantial leader length with these fish so i'm at least running a six foot leader and uh and it's like i said 60 to 80 uh 
when the water's super clear, you can get a, you might be able to get away with 60, but you're more likely to break them off on 60. So at night, I'm like only running 80. Uh, but you know, with that big heavy fluoro leader, you got to have the right knot because you know you don't want to use. You're not going to be able to cast uh, a six foot leader tied to a swivel because you're not going to be able to run a, run that into your guide. So you have to use a knot that's able to go through your guides, which that's why I started using the FG knot. It's so small, you can run a long leader and it will go into the guide. You're still able to, to cast good. So, um, And normally we're running somewhere between a six to seven knot circle hook, something that's definitely strong and beefy because when, when you're locking down the drag, 20, 30 pounds of drag, you want something that's not going to break. Um, so, yeah, most of the time with the live bait, we're running six, seven knot hook and uh, just kind of hooking the bait either in the nose. Some people, uh, I've seen people bri- bridle the, the live baits, but... I just hook it into a good spot in the nose most of the time. Uh, just so, because I mean, a lot of times you're making some pretty hard and quick casts, so you don't want to sling your bait off. And, and I try to keep my fish, my, my baits live. I mean, I usually run a, a Hobie live well behind me, and I got a bait sitting in the live well already rigged up on a hook. So if these fish pop up, if I see a pod, all I got to do is pull it out of the live well and sling it. Um, and it's still staying pretty lively. Instead of like dragging it in the front of your kayak, you're usually going to kill it. So, uh, that kind of stuff is, is how it came a little bit more successful is because just going out there and, and making mistakes and then learning, hey, I need to keep this bait fresh so the so the tarpon will eat it and, and learning how to get to it quick. Because, I mean, if you see a pod pop up in front of you and you've got to pull a bait out of your live well with a net and then hook them on the hook and then the tarpons, because they move pretty quick too. So the schools sometimes will move pretty quick. So you have to just be prepared for all that stuff. So, uh, but long leaders, yeah. Long leaders is a must because, you know, the fish will tail, tail whack the, the, the braid. So you want to have at least a six-foot leader. Now, are you sabiking almost all of your bait fish? And for those of you that don't know, sabiki is, you know, it is a lot of small hooks with a little bit of flash. You hook it on to, you know, any, any kind of pole. They actually have sabiki poles and, and things like that. But you put a weight on there and you drop it down and you just kind of jig it and you catch bait fish. I know we have some Canadian listeners that have probably never in their life heard of a sabiki rig. I think we've talked about it once on the show, but are you mainly using the sabiki to catch all your live bait? Yeah, that's all we use. Um, We just go out past the surf in like 15, 20 feet of water. And some of the places I fish have like some artificial snorkel reefs out there that the, you know, the, the towns have put out so you can kind of fish around them and, and just, you know, I've put it on like an inshore rod and just sabiki on the bottom or look on my fish finder and try to see schools of bait and just drop it down and kind of jiggle it on the bottom. And all it is is just, like you said, some small hooks with a, I think it's actually a little piece of uh, fish skin that's mm-hmm. on there as almost like a little feather. And uh, that's normally how we catch our baits for, for tarpon fishing and for like offshore fishing too. So they get it out there. Chris, where else do we want to go? with? I, I don't know what else we want to ask them as far as, specific well i want to know yeah so we talked a lot about you know your gear you know uh, what you need as far as um being able to battle the beast you know but what i want to know is if if people want to do this with a knowledgeable proficient guide how do they contact you what is what what's the conversation going to be like i mean if if they reach out to emerald waters kayak charters are you, is it going to be like yeah man we're going to go chase some tarpon or is it going to be like ah 
<laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's going to be the eye because I mean they're they're a struggle, uh, and, and for a while I wouldn't even offer or take people. I don't even still advertise it, but just from going so many times, people reach out to me. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's still a struggle. But I mean, if you know anything about tarpon, you'll know. I mean, you can go out there and not see a fish, and it's not like you have a backup plan. Like offshore, you know, you could go king fishing and, and then there's a snapper reef you could go hit. So you got a backup plan to catch fish. But when you're going tarpon fishing, it's it's tarpon or nothing. So, um, you know, so, it, it can be hit or miss. So you're talking about it's tarpon or nothing. Why why is it tarpon or nothing? Because where are you targeting these fish in June and July? You talked about, you know, around the bridge and everything. But if you're targeting them, what areas are they in? Are they just off the beach front or where are they at? So what they do is early spring to, to summer, uh, I'd say a good solid month, they're cruising thick down the beach. So, and they're only, uh, you know, 50 to, to 150 feet off the beach. So they're shallow They're Once you get out a certain ways, you get like that blue water color change and that drop off. So they're shallow right off the beach, right past the surf. And they're only doing doing that running down the beach for like a month, a month and a half or something like that. So once they do that, then they start pushing into the bays. And that's when you can kind of go up on the bridge at night and, and catch them on the bay. I mean, and they're still in the bays swimming around. They're just very, very hard to target that way. That's why I learned to target them on the bridges. Um, and, and the area that I fish for tarpon, not to say you can't go anywhere from Orange Beach all the way down the Emerald Coast to – to know Port St. John or whatever you can, but just where I target them and that I've had a lot of, a lot of really good success was out towards Perdido, Orange Beach area. And it's not the same as going out to Navarre beach because the water is very shallow out there. You go out two or three miles, you're only in like 30 feet of water. And if you go to Navarre and you go out two or three miles, you're in like 50, 60, 70 feet of water. So the, the fish species might change. You're not going to catch, you know, the mahi and the sailfish and stuff over in Perdido. Um, but you could still run into a king mackerel or a Spanish trolling around. So it's not very – it's not that you're you, – you don't have another chance at other fish, but you're usually not rigged the same way. You know, your, mm-hmm. your rigging is going to be different. And, and the tarpon, you know, we usually don't fish – a lot of times we don't fish past 8 or 9 o'clock because once people start getting active on the beach and you start seeing, like, parasail boats going down the beach, these fish will push down and you won't see them no more. Um, so your chances of seeing them and catching them have, have drastically dropped. So – we usually fish from sunrise to, you know, eight o'clock or so. And then sometimes I'll go after work and, and fish the, you know, the last two hours of the day out there when, when stuff starts to calm down. Cause it seems like once there gets some activity out there, people on the beach noise, they kind of push deep or, or go out off a little bit. So it's just the areas where I'm targeting them. Like I said, your only other backup options are going to be maybe King mackerel and Spanish. And, and you do, I mean, we've caught King mackerel, you know, trolling. Cause that's another thing we do. We don't always just, sight fish the schools coming through we also will put a bait behind us as we're looking for the school so we got another opportunity to have one come up and bite it so and i've caught plenty of fish just slow trolling waiting to see some just with a bait out and those are though you're talking about trophy tarpon in your area is there chances at you know smaller inshore tarpon as well you know in, in the bays and some of the estuaries and things like that yeah, but it, it's a very small chance. I mean, I know a couple people who've got on some by luck. It, it's not like something you can go out and target. Um, most of the tarpon that you're going to have a chance to catch are going to be 80, 
plus pounds. Uh, that's but they do a, have small. It's not ones. a bad size if, if you yeah. if you if that's the chance that you have to catch them. Yeah, so. the chance that we have down here are more like two pounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, we, they're we not have very... some places like yeah, we got places like that too. Uh, it, it's just it's just kind of like you know ho- hoping you run into them in a creek or something like that. But it, no. it's not as, not like they come on the beach. I mean that the stuff on the beach is, I would like I said I've been out there in Fourth of July and there was guys. They had no idea what they were doing and just happened to be in front of the school when it came through and everybody hooked up. So what, um, what time of year are the, uh, cobia swimming around shaking hands with people? They'll, they'll be here in the spring. So I think around March, March, so about April, the same and, time, and, about the same time well, as the, uh, a little bit, tarpon. a little bit earlier. Yeah. A little bit earlier than the tarpon. The, the cobia will come here first and like, the Kobe and the King Mackle will start picking I, up. And then, I love fishing over there, man. It's like, yeah. you know, here in Texas, you're like, oh, you want to go catch a Cobia? Let's, you got to go 60 miles out, you know, unless right. you're down in Corpus, you know, then you can go just a mile off the beach. But uh, Freeport, Galveston area, man, you got to really hightail it um, out pretty far before you start seeing some new You ain't pelagic. getting there on a kayak. No. <laughs> and, you know, we, every now and then we'll get the, the, the rogue um cobia off of a pier or off the of five mile uh, rig or something like that but it's yeah. it's it's very rare and we do get tarpon up in the creeks um i will say there are a lot of people that end up catching tarpon as a bycatch just accidental catch um in the creeks and i can name a few creeks that where that's happening you know out caney um chocolate bayou um, you know, San Bernard, you know, some of these areas, they have them that these tarpon just, people say they're resident tarpon. I'm like, I don't think there's a such thing as resident tarpon. <laughs> I think they, they still leave. They, they, they have a migratory pattern that they follow. Um, right. and, and you're saying that tarpon come in and then they start moving into the bays. Whenever they do that, are they going into those bays to spawn? Are they spawning elsewhere? What are they doing whenever they move into those bays? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm really not sure about the whole logistics of what they're doing. I always felt like they come in. I the want bays some science here, Brandon. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a lot. I mean, it, there's very not a lot of science on that. Uh, I don't think they spawn in our bays. I think they're actually, as they're going west to texas or wherever they're going to more towards the mississippi river that's where they're going to spawn i think they just come in the base to to feed and keep going um and from, i saw going. a video yeah i saw a video a couple of years ago where they they said texas was like one of the best places to catch tarpon if you time it right like out in the bays or something because or or even off in the gulf but i saw a video of a, a boat guide just getting into giant schools of 150 pound tarpon. So they're, uh, they're I, down by, um, Port O'Connor, Laguna Madre. And is, then they're down like, South even yeah. further. Yeah. Down by Brownsville, closer to Mexico. Um, back once again, where that water just, you know, is we're just so damn chocolatey here. Um, right. Uh, you know, it's, and see, they, they, they come back too. I mean, they're coming back, you know, uh, I forget exactly what time, but they're actually, you know, they'll come back to the and start swimming east and going back down south. And so we actually have another run, but nobody fishes it. And what I've always noticed is when they come back swimming east, they don't touch anything and they're hauling ass. They're like, I want to get home. 
nobody hey, you know, here. You know what we do have here in Texas, though? Flounder. Big monster flounder. Whereas if you fish in Florida, and if any of you guys fish in Florida, know that Florida's flounder, man. Now, you've got to go offshore to get some decent-sized flounder in Florida. I sometimes, know not yeah, here sometimes. to talk about but, flounder, but... Yeah, the flounder fishing here, and it's only gotten worse. And I, I, I contribute it to. A, I think people do a lot of gigging here because the water's clear, and then they do it during the spawning. And uh, I mean, they're killing so many fish. And they actually started putting a little heavier regulations on them. So hopefully they'll come back. A Why little in bit the better, hell but... is there? Is it still ten inches? Uh, in, in Louisiana? Think... No, in, yeah, in Florida it was like ten inches. I... Slot. I think it's twelve or something. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't. I don't. I try not to keep any flounder. I love them. They're good. Uh, if I catch a giant one, I'll probably keep it. But just trying to know what you turn... do with a ten or twelve inch flounder, <laughs> right? And you got to think when the people do it on their gigging boats, half the people that do it don't care. They're just gigging everything they see. So just stabbing them all mm-hmm. over the place, stabbing them. It's crazy. There, there is no size limit on flounder in Louisiana. You that doesn't keep... surprise me. Yeah, well, there was a I saw the post the other day and now they're doing from I want to say it was October 15th to the end of November. They're doing like we did here in Texas but different dates and they're closing flounder season. And every single post, yeah, every single post was like, "Oh, well that will save the 9-inch flounder that everybody's keeping. It'll be 11-inch the next year that they keep it." Like, how do you have no size limits, but you're you're gonna close the season on a fish? That just makes zero sense to me, Louisiana. None I, I, at all. You know, I, I think I've talked about it on this on this show before, and I think one of the reasons why we've had this this struggle with the powers that be whenever it comes to flounder is people and people that fish the the flounder, they think that the flounder are very hardy and like they're everywhere they're like okay we've got tons of flounder but what they don't realize is we've had we had like three or four years where we didn't have any good cold fronts Mm -hmm. we had no good cold weather to move those fish that require those heavy northerns coming through require the big dumps require the temperature change the drastic temperature change to signal Yo, I gotta get the f- out of here and go spawn. Daddy's waiting for me. I need to go make sure I cook them. You know, get the sandwich ready. <laughs> get the hell offshore. That was bad, man. Make sure you cut that out. <laughs> I love, I, I love to eat some flounder. So I wasn't. Well, uh, but we, I, I've been catching, and I've, I've said this a few times on the show. Like summertime flounder has been my jam like i've been catching more flounder the past three years than any other time ever so i'm okay they 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 close they close the season that's fine with me i was catching more in the summer anyway i think about florida is i don't think they come back i think they leave they go offshore and then they don't come back i don't know i i have a hard time catching flounder because i i just I'm a power fisherman. I got ADD. I can't sit on the bottom and slowly drag. Thank I'm you. I'm jerkbait. Jerkbait fishing, top, <laughs> yeah. bait, you know, top water fishing. It's hard for me to do it. So He found out that whopper ploppers work because he was like, this looks like fun. This looks like a fun lure. <laughs> I can I throw, throw this throw over this. and over and over. And I can just yep. throw this over and over and over, and I'm going to be happy with this lure. And then he figured out, damn, that shit works. <laughs> it does. Now, 
I had a question I wanted to double back on since he just brought up the El Chapo and the Whopper Plopper. You were talking about throwing larger swim baits, and we're talking about how finicky these tarpon can be. Are you throwing natural colors with these swim baits? Are you throwing, you know, aggressive colors? Like, what are are you throwing? Especially since you're fishing at night. Yeah. No, uh, I mean, there's really not many different colors out there. I mean, either throwing a white one or I'll throw a black one at night sometimes too. So yeah, most of the time it's natural, but I will sometimes throw a a black swim bait at night for them, but either a white or like a, a, you know, a a light yellow or even a blue, something that's just natural. But uh, we, we've had good success with black ones at night too. So just black six inch swim baits and put it, put it right across their nose. There you go. Yep. Right on, man. Well, we're coming up here on an hour, and what I really want to do, what we usually do to close out these episodes, is give our listeners a chance. Drew, Drew did you have some more questions? I did not, man. Okay. I, I don't so even I, know what, what to wanted... ask in this, like I said. I'm just, <laughs> this is all new information to me. What I wanted to do is give Brandon a chance to uh, really pump um, you know, his, his business, his guide business, and also um, all of his supporters, you know, like Hobie, or I guess you're part of the Torquedo gang. Um, as well and uh you know talk about those guys and and uh let our listeners know you know where they can find you gotcha yeah so my uh my business uh, website is kind of where you can book any trips is www.emeraldwaterskayakcharters.com and then i'm all over social media uh, a lot of my social media stuff is emerald emerald coast kayak fishing that's just kind of like my it's not my business name but it's kind of like my social media name where i share my pictures and stuff so i'm on tiktok instagram facebook youtube all that stuff you can check me out um i'm always posting some kind of videos and stuff and uh yeah man i've 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 enjoyed being a part of hobie like i said marty marty moved down here you know years ago and uh and kind of helped me get get started and and i just started grinding a lot got a part of hobie and and i couldn't ask for to be on a better team and they them guys really support me and i got a really good relationship with the guys at hobie so and then, you know, Torquedo, you know, I've been using Torquedo. Marty was on Torquedo's team for a long time. And when I started fishing for fishing with him, I would use his every once in a while. So I kind of started seeing the advantages and, and, uh, you know, I got a hold of one myself and, and man, it just, it just makes fishing. I, I know people think it's cheating and stuff, but I mean, if you're able to cover more water out there, out there on your kayak, it just makes the day, you know, more fun. You can cover more water, turn, you know, pre-fishing for tournaments, all that stuff. And, and There's you a also time got and a place backup. for it. Yeah, you got a backup too. You know, if you're off, like Sam, offshore doing charters with some clients, and something happens to someone's drive or kayak, I can tow them back in. So, I mean, it always has its advantages. It's nice to be able to, you know, at the end of the day, sit back and relax, kick your feet up, and and hit the throttle and go into the launch, and not have to struggle, especially in the wind. So, uh, you know, they support me a lot too. And and uh, you know, Hobie Eyewear. That's that's a company that I started working with the past couple of years, and they su- support me. Yak Attack's been a huge one, so check out the new Black Pack Pro because uh, yes, sir. yes, sir. Awesome. We're gonna be getting two of those. And That's all I ever talk about is the a damn, damn Black Pack, man. So yeah, we've been waiting sweet. for the Black Pack Pro to come out. When did we first talk about that? Whenever Luther was on the show. So when that Luther was, was on the show like, last time in season one, that was season, season one. one, and I think it was like our sixth or seventh show on season one. He was talking about the new materials and 
they had he was like I, I shouldn't be sharing all this with you guys and he was telling us more about the black pack pro and we didn't know it was going to call, be called the black pack pro but now we're going to receive because luther he told me he's like hey i'm gonna send you guys to so you guys can review it on the show since i brought it up on the paddler's playbook and i was like that that's pretty sweet i i, I love luther just for that like he doesn't have to do anything <laughs> else ever again but the fact that he remembers no, he's still making bad gotta keep making badass shit yeah but yeah. I, i'm saying the fact that he remembers he talked about it on our show and then he's like i'm gonna send you guys two of them like that that speaks volumes about yak attack yeah luther's a good guy man i was lucky enough to be able to take him out here a couple times and fish in this area and i'll always support what he does i mean he's kind of living the dream i mean I, i'm i'm kind of like a macgyver too i like to, to build stuff you know and make stuff for my kayak and he he did the same thing and turned it into a, a, a amazing business so i definitely want to support that so he was supposed to come down here and go fishing with us one day. We got to go to lunch with him instead. That was it. <laughs> he decided to go fish with uh, that that one guy. What's his name again? The 30 yards out guy? 30 oh, miles out. Ty. 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 Yeah. 30 miles. Sorry, man. Didn't mean 30 yards. That's a little <laughs> 30, short. 30 yards out. You ain't going to get too much 30 yards out. You may get some pompano or something like that. What? Anybody else you want to think, man? I see you wearing an Afco shirt. Are you, yeah, are you yeah, working with Afco? Afco? Yeah, Afco. I, you know, they've always kind of been a part of, uh, you know, for the past couple of years, a part of Hobie. So I got kind of hooked up. I got a lot of connections through a lot of my sponsors, just being a part of the, the Hobie team. So and Afco kind of kind of worked my way in there, man. And they make some of the best fishing clothes out there. And they're they're really a, a great company. Really innovative products. So they're always coming out with new new materials and new uh, stuff, and they do a lot to help out, you know, to give back to the fishing community and the and you know, su- kind of support the resources that we uh, we love to go out and do. So Afco is huge, man. I, I really appreciate everything they've done for me too. And I don't even and think they, they started out creating fishing clothes. I think that was just like a secondary product. I, I think they started creating clothing for just like manufacturing people, people that work in extreme environments and then it ended up becoming something great for the fishing world too or something like that i don't know but right i can't afford their clothing so (laughs) oh yeah hey you got to pay for quality though you do you really really do man quality is is uh definitely uh over quantity and i've stopped wearing those columbia shirts so (laughs) real sportswear real sportswear brandon one more question oh go ahead I was going to say another one of my big, big sponsors that I've recently got up in was Savage Gear. Uh, you know, one of the guys that worked for uh, that, that kind of worked over and took took a part of the team manager, this guy named Jose, Jose Chavez. He uh, I've known him for a long time and has actually tried to get me on a, a, a different company's team before just because he sees, you know, what I do. And and I've already been looking at Savage Gear, you know, just their products. And then he got up, got in with them and. and it didn't take long to convince me to come over there. And, and it, it was nice to have some input. You know, a lot of people don't get input and in, in especially these bigger companies, you don't really get input on the products, but when people start asking your device and are asking you advice about products and making, you know, making sure your input's going into the products, it really means a lot. And he's done a lot to support me too. So that's a lure company. They some, yeah. They, they do lures and they're actually doing rods and, and reels and, a lot of different things now, but their majority is lures. I mean, they make some of pretty much every lure that I'm using. I'm using some of theirs because they got about everything I would need for saltwater and bass. And they make a lot of very realistic lures too. 
Yeah. Uh, that's all that's that's always been my thing too. I mean, where I live at, you know, with the gin clear water is is realistic lures is kind of what I've always tried to throw. Um, and that's kind of how I got turned on to them before I even, you know, become become a part of the team. I would see their lures and see all their realistic stuff and and that's what I was always drawn to. So Live Target, uh, that's another company that uh, makes realistic lures. So I always looked at Live Target and Savage, and I was like, man, check out these realistic lures. And I would buy them and use them. And then and then someone reached out for Savage and was like, hey, man, you want to be a part of the team? And, and that's when I was like, hey, yeah, because I'm already using this kind of stuff. Hell yeah. So. You know, it's funny that he good. said, you know, y'all are talking about realistic lures and, you know, gin clear water and, you know, fishing down there in Florida. You should have seen the people that thought I was – an ultimate retard whenever I busted out a popping cork and some gulp uh, <laughs> and, and in Florida. This was like 11 years ago, 10, 11 years ago. They were like, what's wrong with this kid? He hey, must be, he must be from Louisiana. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Look, I laughed at popping corks for years when I started doing a lot of tournament fishing in Louisiana and you would see boats pull up and they would have nothing but popping corks tied on every single rod. And you're like, wait a minute. There's got to be a reason behind this. So I finally started using popcorns in Louisiana when I would go. I even, you know, adapted them to certain things I do here. But, uh, you know, the water's dirty out there. So you got to have something to attract the fish. So, Chris, you think we can get with Berkeley and Pure Fishing and we can have a Paddler's Playbook pop and cork? Because Berkeley currently doesn't offer a pop and cork. And I think they need to. Get it. We need you know, we need to get with we need to get with Chris and all those guys up at the lab, and we need a paddler's playbook popping cork. It has a ring to it, don't it? The paddler's, the paddler's playbook popping pork. Yeah, I can't even <laughs> say it right. Can't even say it, man. The popping pork, <laughs> popping pork. That's the name of did it. The popping pork. <laughs> did y'all hear about Savage Gear? It's now part of Pure Fishing too. Is it what? really? No, I did not yeah. hear about that. Well, no, man, that is great news. Let me tell you something. Just man. happened. It, just happened. Pure has been gobbling up, um, you know, companies out there and it's not, it has not been a bad thing at all. It has been beneficial to every single company because they bring like a huge support group of scientists, like, like people that, that know how to make stuff work. Berkeley is honestly at, I mean, I think they are like Kings of Kings whenever it comes to freshwater and saltwater fishing. Now, we could probably do without some of the the gimmicky stuff, but their baits, dude. I mean, there there ain't yep. nothing that compares to gold, baby. Uh, the gold <laughs> works, man. It does that scent. I mean, you know, it's good when take people buy it in the jars and spray it on their other lures. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. I think we're going to end the show there. I think that's a great plug for for Berkeley. They should put that on all of their clothing. You know, it's the best when people spray it on their lures. <laughs> there, there you <laughs> go. Well, Brandon, man, we, we really appreciate you coming on. I know I learned a lot from this episode. And when I hit in broadcast, though, I don't want you to go anywhere because I want to get some special sauce uh, questions in that we're, we're not going to share with everybody else. Unless you message gotcha. me or Chris. We we may we may share a little bit, but Chris, you got anything else, man, before we get no, out I'm of good, here? I'm good, man. It's good stuff. Um, you know, I can't wait to get a little bit more, more stoked about, uh, getting back down to Florida and fishing down there. I haven't been since COVID once yeah. COVID yeah. hit. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a magical place, man. I think that's really what drives me into guide fishing and, and fishing. I mean, I grew up, like I said, 
a little bit of bass fishing and stuff, but I did a lot of skateboarding growing up and I didn't really get really into fishing. So I moved here and it's just cause there's so many different species and so many different opportunities in the Emerald coast that to, to target everything. And it just, if you live here, you kind of understand, man, it's just, I, since, I've caught so many different varieties of fish here. I'd never dream of. Since we have so many listeners from Texas, I'll go ahead and, and leave it right here. People in Texas don't realize it is l- less expensive to take a vacation in the Florida panhandle or in on, on the forgotten coast of Florida than it is to drive your ass down to Galveston and stay in a beach house for a weekend in Galveston. So hey, if, hey, if you're hey. interested and you, you know, you want to make the trip, I mean, it's just a little bit of a drive right now. Gas prices suck, but renting a place in Florida, the panhandle or uh, forgotten coast is less expensive than the Galveston rental. Yeah, and guys, stay tuned to the Pallage Playbook because I, I do believe that we're going to have an episode about traveling, fishing, packing, our checklist, what we do whenever we travel to fish. And maybe we may travel down to see Brandon in June or July and, you know, try to hook one of these big tarpon. But Brandon he didn't say man, come fish in the summer. He said spring, fool. June or he July said is too late. June, July. Oh, yeah, man. it's late spring. Yeah. yeah that's like lot. summertime like my nuts are sweating at that time Dude. oh it's hot yeah <laughs> well we're gonna get out of here guys i appreciate you guys listening we will see you later see ya peace